is uh, barking on the by the crystal sea this morning, as I like to say. How many dog owners we have in here? Let me just see your hands here. Dog owners, okay. Uh, cat owners, altar calls for you today. Uh, cat owners, I'm not a cat fan. I didn't see any hands go up, but um, I'm just joking. Uh, I'm not a cat owner, but uh, anyway, moving right along with that, okay? So anyway, uh, one of the things, I used to call Trooper a canine vacuum cleaner. I mean, it didn't matter where I was or what I was doing. If he, could, he knew when I was walking in the kitchen. And he knew the sound of the refrigerator door opening up. And no matter where he was at in the house, if he heard footsteps in the kitchen or if he heard the refrigerator door open up, you could hear those little feet tapping all the way on that hardwood floor. Until he got into the kitchen. He wanted something to eat. Now the truth of the matter is. Trooper's actions. Often remind me of this story. When I read this story in the New Testament. Because here. We read about Jesus. Who withdraws from Galilee. And makes his first trip. Out out of the region where he was born. Into Tyre and Sidon. And it was. uh, His first visit. To a Gentile nation. So what we find here is there, he's on his way to do the work that God has sent him to the earth to do, and he's interrupted by a Canaanite woman. This Canaanite woman interrupted him because she had come to the edge of her road. I don't, I, 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 just speaking for me, and maybe I could speak to you, is that we reach times in our lives where we feel like we've come to the very edge of our road. I heard pastor say earlier in this service, he said you can't make a permanent decision over a temporary decision, right, or a season. You can't make a permanent decision over a temporary, in a temporary season because if you're not careful, you'll think that it's over yeah. when it's not over. And sometimes God leads us through paths that have a few storms in that path. And this woman, her storm was, her daughter was in trouble. Her child needed help. Now, I'm, I'm a parent. I've got two boys. One is a, a pastor and one is a football coach and a high school teacher. And I'm blessed with two boys. I've got four grandchildren. And let me tell you something. When my boys or my grandchildren or my wife is in trouble, it motivates me to activate my prayer life even more. Because there's something about our families, there's something about our children that grips us and makes us cry out to God. This woman comes to God and here's her prayer. Lord, help me. Everybody's got a prayer life. Some of us only have a 911 prayer life. But even a 911 prayer is a prayer life. Now, God would like for you to have a daily systematic prayer life. But He'll take a 911, Lord, help me, over nothing. And the Bible tells us that she cries out because she's a mother who has a daughter who is, the Bible uses the word vexed by Satan. 
You know you have a child vexed by Satan when they're running from God. You know you have a child vexed by Satan when they're controlled by the spirit of this world and not by the Holy Spirit. You know you have a child vexed of Satan when their priorities are nowhere on God's list of priorities for their life. You know you have a child vexed of the devil when the house of God is not a place they want to enter, when they'd rather be in the bar on Saturday night than the house of God on Sunday morning, you know? You know you've got a child vexed of the devil when they're controlled by the world and not by the Spirit of the living God. How many of us have ever had someone in our life, whether it be an uncle or an aunt or a brother or a sister or a relative or someone who you believe has been vexed by the devil? Absolutely. There may be someone in your home right now, someone in your life, someone you work with right now that is controlled and and, and you love that individual and you want to see that individual set free and delivered and get back on the path that God has. That day, Jesus had his own agenda. That day, Jesus was going to fulfill what God had called him to do and on his way, he's interrupted by somebody who's got a 911 problem. There are times in my life to where I have to just get in the way of what God's doing in everybody else's life in this world. And I have to say, God, can you just take a little bit of a time out and you listen to me right now? I need help. I've been there. I've done that. And so have you. And I love, you know, I love it when God answers me. But God told her, he said, he said, woman. I don't have time for you. Now, that's not the exact words he used, but basically that's what he's saying. Let let me walk you through the story a little. little. Because this woman didn't care what his agenda was. This woman didn't care about the fact that Jesus had another purpose for being there. This woman said, we're fixing to change your agenda. I'm going to do everything I can to get your attention because I've got a problem and I need your help. What were they doing? The disciples and Jesus were seeking a path to establish the kingdom of God. They weren't going over there to help some woman with a daughter problem. You see, if the belligerence of men and women can kill your dream and your desires, you'll never see your dreams and desires fulfilled. Now you listen to this preacher. I'm going to come in. It may be another three years before I'm here. I may never be here again. They may move me and say, Mother, part of the United States, you'll never see this fine (laughs) husband's wife sing again. (laughs) See, you thought a good-looking face on my wife. You may never see that again. So listen to me when I tell you, if you have dreams and desires for yourself, for your marriage, for your family, or for anyone, if you let people's negative attitude affect you, you'll never receive what God has for you to receive. Is that okay with you? Can I just tell you there are times that you got to push through and you're the only one pushing there's times you've got to get a breakthrough and you're the only one trying to break the wall down. But what does God say? Give up? No. He wants us to keep on pushing and keep on pressing. Paul said, I pressed toward the mark. Did he? Did he not? Brother Reynolds, press against my hand with your hand. Pressing presupposes opposition. I can't press against your hand if your hand is not pressing against mine. So if you're going to press toward the mark, you're going to be opposed on every hand. 
Paul said we don't walk toward the course of this world. That word course in the Greek New Testament is where we get the word weather vane. What does a weather vane do? A weather vane points and blows. You know, the wind blows it and points it, and that's the way the wind is blowing. Paul said that's not the way the child of God works. We're going against the course of this world. We're walking against the weather vane of this world. We're pressing toward the mark. We're pushing. And that's why I'm here to tell you today, it ain't over yet as long as you're willing to fight and press through and see victory come into your life. All right. Let me give you three quick points about this. I'll do my best. It's 12.06. How many of you give me 10 minutes? Let me see your hand. 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80. I got about an hour and a half here. All right, here we go. I want you to see her persistence. This woman was not on God's agenda and it wasn't on God's mind. Jesus is focused on the house of Israel. Her time as a Gentile had not yet come. He was going to come to the Gentiles. He was going to minister to the Gentiles. But that time had not come yet. Eventually he was going to be hung on the cross, right? He was going to be the sacrificial lamb of the world, but that time had not come yet. He was going for, for something else. He was trying to establish the kingdom of God, and his death on the cross one day would be for all nations, but that time was not that day. But she had her own mission. Let me ask you something. Can I just, and you may have to lift your hand or nod your head on this. Are you on a mission? Is there something you need from God? Is there something you, uh, some prayer that you've been praying, that you're wanting God to answer, you, that you have your, in your own private time with God, you're on a mission and you're trying to get God to answer your prayer? I see heads nodding. I see hands raised. Because she was on a mission. You see, the lesson here we begin to learn is, is that in this age in which we live in, you absolutely cannot quit on your quest to receive an answer from God. God gives blessings to people who don't quit. you got to be relentless. you got to set your face on God. You, you can't go... going. Let me say it this way. Going back is not a, no longer an option for me. In Ezekiel 32, God was so angry at the children of Israel, he told Moses he was going to destroy them. And no, Moses intervened on behalf of the people of God, and God changed his mind. Listen to me. In Genesis 32, Jacob's wrestling with God all night. God tries a man to see if he's persistent. And, and, and here's what Jacob says. He says, I'm not going to let go. Until you bless me. In Isaiah 38, Hezekiah receives a message. He's going to die. And he stands before a wall and begins to pray. And God changed his mind and gave him 15 more years. God's going to destroy everybody in Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham intervenes. And God spared his family because Abraham changed his mind. What am I trying to tell you? That you can have the faith and the determination to pray and seek God to where God was getting ready to do something. He can change his mind just on your behalf. 
You say, you don't know what path my family's on. You don't know what path my friend, you don't know what path I'm on. No, honey, I don't. But you hear me when I tell you, if you'll keep pressing toward the mark, God will have the final say in your life because it will not be over until you say it's over. That's the persistence. That's the persistence that you've got to have with God. I want you to see, secondly, her position. What do you do? Well, let me show you how she got God's attention. You want to get God's attention? For this woman to receive what she needed to receive, she had to do what she needed to do, so she put herself in a position to receive from God. You know what the Bible says she did? Go back to our text. It says this. It says this in about verse... uh, 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 Verse 25. Then came she... And worshipped him. Then came she and worshipped him. That's the power of worship. That's the power of coming into the presence of God. What this young man and this drummer and this lady did this morning was just not get up here and sing a couple of songs for us. They were trying to get us in an atmosphere to where we could come into the presence of God and receive from God what we needed to receive. You know what our job is? Our job is to help them lead in worship. Amen? I mean, listen, if you come and you sit in the pew and you're waiting for them to get you in a mood to worship, they call that in America show business. Okay, can can I say that? You probably won't have me back, so this will be the last time I'll probably be here, so I'm just going to go ahead and say it. We're not in show business. We're not waiting for somebody to come into the house of God and perform for us until we can get in the right mood to receive from God. You love me, don't you? You better. you got to go to heaven, and you have to love me to go to heaven. <coughs> he tried to walk away. But she kept on worshiping. I'm not even supposed to bless you, the Lord was basically saying to her. But she kept on worshiping. She wasn't a part of his plan, but she kept on worshiping. I think it's appropriate that when you got a 911 in your life, that you just keep on keeping on and keeping on. When I was a kid, they used to have the slogan that said, keep on trucking. I know most of you never heard of that before. A couple of us have. Well, I'll change that word truck into worshiping. You just got to keep on worshiping. You got to keep on praising to God. Here's why. Because your praise puts you in a position to receive what you've come to God to request. She was making a deposit and was getting ready to soon make a withdrawal. Matter of fact, you see this money right here? You see this money for this church? Somebody's going to count that money, and they're going to make it to where it can be deposited in a bank. 
And at some point in time, it may be tomorrow, it may be next week, it may be next month, but somebody's going to go and make a withdrawal because we were able to make a deposit. And if you want to receive a withdrawal from the bank of heaven, I'm not just talking about money, by the way. If you, if you want to receive from the riches and the resources of heaven, you've got to first make a deposit into that. All right, you with me? You know what I believe it'd be good for us to do here at Gateway? Is just start praising him on credit. You know? Say, well, I don't have anything to pray about. That's okay. you got a lot to praise about. You know what? You can praise him that you don't have anything to pray about. I don't know anybody. I've never met anybody that didn't have something to pray about. But I don't know. You may be the one. But I'm just here to tell you, if life is that perfect for you, nobody ought to be praising God more than you right now. Because I'm telling you what, life is a mess. Your praise positions you for a blessing. So what's this? She found a way when it wasn't her time to make it her time. She wasn't even supposed to be blessed. I love this thought. A radical praise comes from a desperate heart that has nothing to go back to. Now think of it this way. This woman said, you know what, I'm just going to give up and I'm done with this. He's already offended me. I know a lot of church members that would have been offended if the pastor talked to them that way. That left and found another church. But had she left, she would have been going back to what she had been living in. And she had made up her mind that we're not going to live this way any longer. Now watch this. You know, she said, he said, I'm not sent but to the lost house of Israel. Jesus said, it's not appropriate to give children's bread to the dogs. Now, I know people that would have been offended by that statement. Matter of fact, I'm here to tell you that the eight of the Ten Commandments begin with the words, Thou shalt not. So, if you want to get a real opinion about this thing, you could say, well, God's got a bunch of negatives and not a lot of positives. But notice this. That statement didn't run her off. She didn't go find another church. She's saying, Lord... Just go ahead and give the whole loaf to the Jewish nation. She said, you can give them every slice in the loaf. You don't have to give me a slice or a half a slice or a quarter of a slice. She said, I'll wait till after everybody's through eating. And if there's a crumb on the floor. She said, because even the dogs... Get to eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. He called her a dog. Gentiles were outcasts, looked down upon, and despised. In the Middle East, 
Iran, Iraq, and Syria, and other nations, if they call you a dog today, that's the lowest form of life you can be called. She had no covenant with Christ. She had no covering with Christ. She had no rights with Christ. As far as we know, she had never been in the temple. She wasn't Jewish. She was a Gentile. A dog-like trooper or a dog like your dog has absolutely no pride when it comes to food. Am I right? They're not waiting for you to get it on a fancy plate. They're not waiting for you to put some garnishes on the plate for it to look real good. They don't even care whether you put it in the microwave or not and warm it up. They have no pride. All they want is food. And this woman, a Gentile, with no covenant, no covering, and no rights. She said, I don't care what y'all think about me. You can call me what you want. But if I can just get a crumb... I love that. You know, my wife, my wife is a really good cook. Let me show you the third point, her provision, her provision. My wife is, is a, as you can tell, I, this is not all meeting out. Some of this is meeting home, you know. And uh, I, my, uh, I'm, I just turned 64 years old. I'm five foot 11. And 200 and none of your business pounds. <laughs> and I didn't, I, I was 5'11 because God made me 5'11. I'm 64 because I was born in September of 1958. And I'm overweight because she's a really good cook. And I don't have a really good way of stopping when I'm full. You know, as a matter of fact, there's only really two ways I'm probably going to lose weight. Uh, I'm either going to have to uh, pass on from this life into the other or hire somebody to walk with me and knock food out of my hand. That's about it. Because every diet that any person has ever come up with, I've tried. And, uh, and, I, and I, as you can see, I've not achieved excellence in that category. However, I love my wife's cooking. She's got this thing that she calls Grandma's Chocolate Scratch Cake. Now, she don't make it a lot. So she, you can see she doesn't obey the will of God very often. Because if she was really a righteous woman, she'd make one a month at least. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> but she makes this cake, and it's all from scratch. I mean, she has to sift the flour and, well, I guess the butter. I guess, well, even butter is, well, forget that. Anyway. And then she mixes. She puts the eggs in there and the flavorings in there and the sugar in there and uh, whatever else goes in there, I don't have a clue. And she mixes it up, and then she makes this homemade dressing, uh, excuse me, icing, and she makes it and mix it. And there's already a rule in our house that you don't clean the bowl of the cake or the icing. 
until I've been able to inspect it. Okay, you, you with me? Anybody? Am I the only one like this? No. No, I, yeah, okay. Yeah, we got some folks that are saved. They're telling the truth here this morning. And, and here's the thing about this, is that when she bakes this cake, it's one of the most wonderful things I ever put in my mouth. It's fabulous. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's got all this thick uh, uh, icing on it, and the corners, it goes in one of these uh, flat pans. And the corners always get a little extra icing, you know, because it runs off in there. And the corners are mine. Yes, they're mine. And I like to hide them from the boys when they're in the house because they're a bunch of pigs and they'll eat all of it if I do that. (laughs) But then what happens is after a good day or two, uh, that pan gets empty. And I began then to take that pan, because this is the second rule, is that you don't clean the pan until I've inspected it. And you scrape around the edge of the pan, and then you can scrape around the bottom of the pan, and then when you get it all in the corner, you can take that pan. Okay? Any, any, any sinners like me here today? I'm just curious. Okay, yeah, okay. Well, the rest of you need to be in the altar. You didn't raise your hand. I, I, I try to eat every last morsel and crumb. It's just so good. Did you know that if I get just one little bitty crumb out of that cake, I get everything that's in the cake? The sugar, uh, the uh, the eggs, the flour, the butter, all the things that she puts in it. Everything that's in the cake is in the crumb. No wonder this lady said, true Lord, but even the dogs get to eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table because she knew if she could get one crumb, she would get everything that the Lord had for her. (laughs) Is that not a powerful thing? Because, man, you make a deposit. She came to the Lord. She started worshiping. He was going to ignore. She intervened. She wouldn't let him go on. Finally, he stops. He calls her a dog. She says, true, but I'll take a crumb. And the Lord basically looks at her and says, you know what? This is some of the greatest faith I've ever seen in my life. And you know what the Bible says about this lady? Come in place with her. You know what the Bible says about this lady? She said her daughter, the Bible says her daughter was made whole that very hour. Did you know that she didn't have to get back home and wait for her daughter to get whole? Did you know that by the time she left Jesus' presence, the miracle had already taken place? Did you know that in this church service this morning, if you can interrupt God with your worship before you get home, 
your need can already be met at 12.26 p.m. on October the 16th, 2022. Now I'm going to tell you a quick story. I pastored my third church in South Alabama. I was going through something at that time that we call a worship war. Uh, I had four generations. They all wanted different music. And it was hard to keep them happy. My son, Chris, who now pastors in Severn, Maryland. My son, Chris, got sick. To make a long story short, he was so sick, he lost 62 pounds in six weeks. We sent his test all over the country. CDC got him, Center of Disease Control. Nobody knew what he had. He was dying. I'm going through this worship war. My son is dying. I'm ready to just throw in the towel. I preach faith and healing, and my own son's dying. We've been there, hadn't we, preachers? We've been there, hadn't we, teachers? We teach the Word of God, but we're going through some of the very stuff in our own life. I got out on the back 40 of the property one night, and I had, now today, back then, we called them Walkmans. I know you young people don't know what that is. But it's a little tape recorder that you'd hang on your belt or hold in your hand and put earphones in. You could listen to cassette tapes and listen to praise and worship. And my, my young people in my church would do what you do here. Remember when we started praise and worship, four or five people came up and started worshiping? I had about 70, 80 young people did that in the, in the church, and they'd just start jumping and praising God, and they were having a wonderful time. And I had a guy in my church tell me to, to set them down, that they were hindering him, and I wouldn't do it. I wasn't going to do it. So I get back on the back 40 because I'm not, a, I'm not a jumper and a dancer. Look at me. But I thought, you know what? My son's dying. Maybe there's something new I need in my life. So I began to dance before the Lord. And I get to the hospital room one night. And um, it's midnight. I can see the clock. It was midnight. And I heard the Lord speak to me and say, Do you believe I can heal Chris? I said, Yes, Lord, I do. He said, I want you to dance before me. In that hospital room, I closed the hospital door. My son is sleeping 20 hours a day. He's losing weight. He's got tubes all over his body. And this preacher began to dance before the Lord. I remember at about a quarter after 12, I stopped. And I laid down on the cot and I went to sleep. And the next morning, an African-American lady walks in the room. She said, are you a preacher? I said, yes, I am. She says, that's your son? I said, yes, he is. What's wrong? I don't know. He's dying. She said, now get this now. Remember, remember what happened the night before? She said, at midnight, the Lord woke me up. 
And I wrestled with God for 15 minutes. And the Lord told me to get up in the morning and drive across Mobile Bay to USA Children's Hospital in Mobile, Alabama. Because there's a preacher's kid there that needs the prayer of faith prayed over him. You say, you say, are you serious? I'm serious. Because when you get into the presence of God, when you don't understand it and you can't comprehend it, God begins to work on your behalf in ways that you cannot comprehend. And God healed my son and he pastors Heritage Christian Community Church today. Because a woman in Baldwin County, Alabama, whose son played for the Washington Redskins at the time. There used to be an offensive lineman by the name of Chris Samuels, who's now retired. It was his mama that walked in that hospital room. An independent Pentecostal preacher. And she laid hands on my son and prayed the prayer of faith over him. And God healed him. Now you hear me. Here's what, here's what God does. God gives crumbs to crummy people. Yes. I sense the presence of the Lord in this place. God gives crumbs to crummy people. God says if you get a crumb, you get everything. You don't have to have the whole cake. You don't have to have a slice of the cake. If you can just get a crumb, you get what I have for you. Who needs a crumb? Who needs a crumb? Right here on this altar. Who's ready to come and bow before the Lord and say, I'm ready to get my crumb. I'm ready to receive my crumb. I'm ready to make a deposit. I'm ready to make a deposit so I can get a withdrawal. You're all I need. Just come on, just start. Just do what she did. Do what You're she did. All I need. Just start worshiping. That's what she positioned come rain, herself. Come rain. I, I won't be, be afraid. afraid. In the name of Jesus, I, I pray. She positioned. Come rain, Come in order pray. to receive a provision. I won't be afraid. Yeah, you are all I need. Hey, Lord. 